I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Good morning. I'm Shalini Umachandran, and this is Mint Light Morning Shot. A quick update on the news you need to know before you start your day. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. India's confirmed COVID-19 death toll crossed 7 million on Sunday. Daily new infections have dropped from a high of over 90,000 to 74,383 on Sunday, but experts are worried that people are not taking precautions. India is expected to be the worst hit country in the coming weeks, crossing the US where over 7.7 million infections have been reported. In Brazil, which is the third worst affected country, deaths crossed 150,000 on Saturday. This is despite signs that the virus is slowly retreating. Over the last month and a half, the viral curve has dropped in Brazil. India has reported more than 100,000 deaths so far. In the last four years, the volume of digital payments has grown nearly 55% every year. It's gone from 593 crore transactions in the year ending March 2016 to 3,400 crore this year. This is according to new data from the RBI. This is also the period soon after demonetization of 500,000 rupee notes when the Reserve Bank of India doubled down on its efforts to move to a cashless economy. In terms of value, it's grown from 920 lakh crore in 2016 to more than rupees 1600 lakh crore in 2020. That's an annual compounded growth rate of 15.2%, the data shows. The value and volume of transactions climbed faster from 2018-2019 onwards, but in the financial year 2020, the volume went up, though value dropped. This is attributed to the steep fall in the overall economy and the massive job losses, which has forced people to spend less and hold on to their cash. Of all the world's billionaires, with the exception of those from France, the French have had the most lucrative decade. These are the findings of a new UBS PwC study. LVMH boss Bernie Arnault and his compatriots saw their wealth increase fivefold to $443 billion between 2009 and 2020. They've grown rich on Asia's hunger for French luxury and a global reality boom due to falling real estate prices. But the pandemic has had its impact. Arnold's fortune year-to-date has fallen $19 billion as tourism and shopping take a beating during the pandemic. He's still the world's fifth richest man. L'Oreal's Francois Bettencourt-Mayers may lose her title as the world's richest woman to Mackenzie Scott, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. The COVID crisis and public ire have woken up the ultra-rich to the need to give. Hermes donated $24 million to a Paris hospital association in May, and LVMH gave ventilators and made masks. Public opinion can't be ignored as the backlash over billionaires being slow to make donations to rebuild the Notre Dame last year showed. 
Workplace mobility is gradually recovering, but most companies in India have institutionalized working from home. Whether we'll ever return to the physical offices we know it remains a question, but there's some hope from the real estate office transactions which have been picking up. Between April and June, which were the worst of the lockdown months, transactions for office space fell 84% compared to the previous quarter ended March. This is according to data from Knight Frank, the real estate consultancy. Completion of new office buildings fell 87%. But from July to September, renting of office space increased 64% over the previous quarter. Over the longer term, working from home may not really save organizations money. Knight Frank did a calculation for 119 IT companies. They found that even if these IT companies move half their employees permanently to a work from home arrangement, the net savings would only be about 0.7% of the operating income. There are other disincentives to working from home over the long term. One is the data vulnerabilities, then there's the loss of tax benefits for organizations in special economic zones and a change in work culture. Belgium's Galgeshur Nature Reserve has started testing a purpose-built giant vacuum cleaner to suck up particles of plastic that are too small to pick up by hand. Every year, the Port of Antwerp organizes a clean-up at the 100-acre mudflat reserve with close to 500 volunteers who clear nearly 8 tons of plastic. But many of these particles are too small for them to pick up. So these microplastics, which are smaller than 5 millimeters, are transported by the Scheldt River and wash up at the reserve. The industrial plastic pellets accumulate in the mud and salt marshes. Last year, the port launched a competition to find a solution. The winner is the giant vacuum cleaner. It's called Naloplastic, and it has rubber tires to limit soil disruption. The suction mechanism is also designed to avoid damaging plants. The aim is to suck 7.5 tons of plastic pellets out of the reserve. The first test of the machine ends this month. Since the 5th century, Venice has had seasonal floods. They're called aqua alta and they run from October to March. But in the last decade, it's a real threat due to rising sea levels caused by climate change. Last November, the worst floods in more than 50 years left St. Mark's Square submerged under a meter of water. After working on it for 17 years, the Italian government has now come up with a solution. It's called Mosse, and it's been delayed by bureaucracy and corruption, is what residents say. But Mosse has passed a test that it went through earlier this month, and Venetians now have hoped that their city may not be unlivable by the end of the century, as a lot of experts have estimated. Mosse is essentially a network of 78 bright yellow remote-controlled barriers at the entrance to the Venetian lagoon. They lift up from the seabed to stop higher tides from entering and flooding the city. Mose was tested during 135 cm high tide. Normally, this would have left St. Mark's Square in knee-deep water, but during the test, it had just puddles. Right now, the barriers are raised when the tides crossed 130 cm, but in many parts of Venice, including St. Mark's Square, the flooding starts at 90 cm. So now residents are fighting to have the barriers raised earlier. You are listening to Mint Light Morning Shot with Shalini Omachandran. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Shalini MB or on Facebook and Instagram at HD Smartcast. To listen to more such podcasts, do log on to hdsmartcast.com. 
This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.